We want to welcome our viewing audience to the Word Ministry of Providence Worshiping Arts Center, 3343, um, Highway 341, a little bit north of Jessup. We're glad to have you with us. And while we're always glad to have you tune in, we'd much rather you be here. So join us Wednesdays at 7, Fridays at 7, and maybe soon to come on Sunday afternoons for the School of the Supernatural. That sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's glad to have you in. Okay, uh, once again, like many times in the past, I'm coming to you and I want to say something that I don't really know quite what to say. There's something on the inside of me I cannot express. I'm trying to learn how to express it. Um, we're, in, we're in pursuit here. We're in the pursuit of a supernatural God who loves to do supernatural things through a supernatural group of people in a natural world, in a natural setting. And he's doing those things. We've already heard testimonies tonight of absolute bona fide proven medical miracles that he did this past week. Ain't that cool? I mean, it's cool when you got x-rays. <laughs> you can't argue with an x-ray unless God heals the x-ray. So, But we got x-rays, that's a good thing. So. Uh, we're going to be kind of keeping a log of folks who get healed during the week. Every Friday night when we come in, we're going to want you to give testimony to how God has healed people or blessed people through your prayers. Um, you know, we have, God has really just sort of sneaked up on us over the last few months, and he's surprised the body of Christ in that he's bringing about a particular program in the earth in a way that is sort of surprising to us. Or at least it's sort of been surprising to me. We've always looked at the end time harvest as this great, wonderful thing that was just going to sweep the earth and it would just like be this automatic deal, sort of like an international harvester. And we've had this grandiose idea about how all that would happen in a great revival that would sweep the earth. We had the idea and the notion of it and the prophetic promise in the word but we did not understand how God was actually going to put wheels on this thing. Well, since the outpouring in, in Lakeland has begun and, and, and the body of Christ is beginning to receive revelation on various things, we are now seeing that God is going to do this great thing uh, that He's promised in His Word. He's going to do it through people and not religious machines. Isn't that cool? He's going to do it through people. Guess what? You're people. You're people through and through. Most of you have been in training all your life for this moment. It doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old or if you're little or you're tall. You know, it doesn't matter what you look like. The only thing that matters is that you have the Spirit of the living God living in you. That Jesus is on the inside. That He's working on you and He's working through you and He's coming out of you to impact the world around you. And so tonight I kind of want to keep this theme. You're going to be hearing a lot, a lot, a lot, not only about Jesus and what He does, but you're going to be hearing a lot about faith and you're going to be hearing a lot about the supernatural. We are not going to shy away from this thing. Okay? We're not going to shy away from it. We're going to get into it with both feet. We're going to get way over our head in this thing and get lost in it. Is everybody good with that? I hope so. I really, really hope so. Now, um, 
Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 for just a little while, okay? Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to kind of bounce around and skip around. But I want to show you something um, about faith. And I want to show you something about the kind of people that God has used down throughout history to do extraordinary things, to do great exploits. Okay? And I hope that you'll be able to see when we're done here that God has always taken people just exactly like you. Probably, to be honest with you, He's used people a lot less experienced than you are and a lot less knowledgeable than you are. And the reason I'll say that is because this record that we have in Hebrews 11 of the roll call of faith, these people, probably, and I'd have to look at it closer, 100% of them lived prior to the cross. Which means they didn't have anything. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They didn't have the book of Acts. They didn't have the epistles. They had, not, they had zero writings of the Apostle Paul. They did not have the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. And so you've got a lot more knowledge than these folks we're going to be reading about tonight. You've got a lot more experience. You have, you have things that are advantages to you that they simply did not have. Okay, let's see how they used what they had. Let's start in verse, uh, let's see here. Let's start right at, right at verse 1, okay? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the word substance means a lot of things, but one of the things in footnoted in my Bible, it means realization. Faith is the realization of, of things hoped for. In other words, if there was if you had nothing to hope for, there would be no faith. How many of you have got something to hope for? Raise your hand. I want to see your hands. Okay, if you have something to hope for, if you have if you have that to look forward to, whatever it happens to be, then there's faith. That creates the atmosphere. That creates the possibility for. That creates the realization of faith. Nothing to look forward to. Nothing to hope for. No faith. Did you know there's a lot of folks out there who fit that bill? They have nothing to hope for. Nothing to look forward to. And their lives are absolutely, totally empty and void of anything Good. That's hard to imagine, but it's true. Don and Judy down on the mission field in Brazil probably met a few of those folks. But I would venture to say, after they met with Don and Judy, they gave them something they could hope for. Because they showed them somebody named Jesus. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith, therefore operates in the presence and in the reality of something that is hoped for, and because it's in that sphere, then it becomes the evidence of things that are not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. 
Did you know that always confused me? If it's ever confused you, would you, would you be bold enough to raise your hand? Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you now. I, 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 I never have understood clearly what that means, and I'm still not full bore with it yet, but the Lord's showing me some stuff, and I want to share that with you, okay? For by it the elders obtained a good report. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, now that has everything to do with faith. Okay, sister over here gave testimony. She was riding down the road and realized that she needed an ice chest or a cooler to put her ice cream in. So lo and behold, they pull into this area and there's an ice chest. Not something that you would find at a dump, but it was a spanking pretty clean, germ-free, never been used, spotless, cooler sitting there at her disposal because riding down the road it occurred to her that she needed an ice chest. Not just an ice chest but an igloo cooler. It's just like the creme de la creme of coolers. And when she was giving testimony of that, and that may seem insignificant to you, but to her it was very important and needful. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So somewhere in this equation, God was doing some talking to her, and let's just follow this along. We know it had to get where it got some way, one way, fashion or another, don't we? It didn't have somebody's name on it or a return address. So therefore, I come to the conclusion. Now, on my coolers, I just don't buy a cooler and leave my name off of it. Because they have a way. If You guys, okay guys, how many coolers have you ever had in your life that just dip, took up legs and walked? I mean, they, they, a cooler will get away from a guy faster than a cat's got nine running gears, you know? But this cooler came, had nobody's name on it, and it belonged, it had, actually had her name on it. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So therefore, we could say somebody made a mistake. They left a perfectly good cooler beside the road in a dumpster on purpose. Now, is that logical? Is it rational? How many people throw away an absolutely first-class creme de la creme igloo cooler in the dumpster? Now, I am stressing over, I am, I'm, I'm stressing this point, and I know that you know that I'm stressing this point. I want to proffer another alternative explanation for you. She was riding down the road, realized in the rush of her day she needed a cooler. Golly, I need a cooler to put my ice cream in because I'm going to spend money to buy ice cream. I don't want it all melted when I get home. Then that way I have disappointed kids and I just have a milkshake instead of ice cream. And so God, who loves her very much, up in heaven, prompts her to pull into the dumpster area. 
And lo and behold, there before her very eyes is a brand new igloo tour. I want to proffer another explanation for you. I want to tell you now, somehow, one way or another, the God who made everything, the God who framed the world so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible, I want to proffer to you that God did something for her very, very special and gave her a tour. I, you know, it don't take much faith for me to realize that. It don't take much faith for me to recognize the thumbprint and the handiwork of God. It may seem like a small and insignificant thing to you for God to supply a cooler for her because she had the faith for it or the need of it. I, you know, I can just get there in a hurry. That makes a lot more sense to me than somebody threw away a perfectly good $20 cooler in the trash can. That makes no sense. So therefore, the way I look at things, it has to be the first explanation. God put the cooler there for her, one way, shape, form, or fashion. The same God that framed the world out of things which are not visible. Ooh, I just love that sort of stuff. Verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him... For he who comes to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There is a correlation also and we'll just kind of switch gears and kind of head the direction that uh, I think we need to go. There's also a correlation in the exercising of our faith. There's a correlation between God doing the miraculous or the extraordinary in your life, there's a correlation between that and your faith, and there's something that, that wedges, it's like a piece of roast beef in a sandwich in the middle. And you know what that is? It's being pleasing to God. Being pleasing to God. Here you have, you have faith, which in the mix of faith, it is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen, which is God's specialty. He makes stuff out of stuff that's not seen. So therefore, it makes sense to me that He would give you uh, faith because He's the God who does stuff with stuff that ain't seen. So therefore, your faith is an expression of of part of the creative nature of God in that He makes stuff out of nothing. So He's given you faith that you'd have faith on, based on that premise that He can absolutely provide or create out of nothingness. And so therefore you believe it's the evidence of what you hope for which you can't see. Now does, does that make sense? Or do you kind of halfway got an idea of what I'm talking about? See, see faith is a reflection of, who, of God's creativity. Faith is a reflection of God's creativity. So therefore, it would make sense that if we exercised our faith, therefore, the creative substance could flow out of that into the natural. Let it seek in for just a minute. This is how, this is part of the fundamental nature of faith. Makes sense that if God can create something out of nothing, and that's what 
as part of his, his creative nature, then our faith will reflect that. And then, because our faith reflects that, then as we exercise our faith, something can be created out of nothing. Are you with me? That's how creative miracles work. That's how bones get healed. It's how blind eyes are made to see. It's how deaf ears are made to hear. It's how lame people's feet are made to walk. It is how dead people are raised to life again. It's because the faith you exercise is a reflection of the creative nature of God. Now I've probably said that to you tonight in a way you've probably never heard that before. And I think based on what I read, I've made a true statement. And you have to judge that. But it makes sense to me because that helps me understand how faith operates. And it makes me understand how the supernatural operates. Because the supernatural is directly opposed to the natural. It doesn't make any sense at all. There's no logical explanation for it. You know, it's like a lot of y'all got the email from me uh, last week about the lady I prayed for with the, with, the, with the plates in her back. Well, I waited all weekend to talk to this. I, I, I just, I wanted to check on her. And so Monday, she actually called our store because we were in process of trying to help her get some furniture taken care of. A warranty issue. And uh, her husband, I spoke with him first on the telephone. I said, how are you doing? He said, doing good. He said, my wife, and this is what he said. He said, my wife is doing real good. I said, "Uh, okay. I said, what's going on? He said, well, let me let her tell you. And so he handed the telephone to his wife. (laughs) And then his wife took the phone and I said, how are you? She said, I am having a great day. I said, really? I said, why? She says, because I don't hurt anymore. I said, really? She said, yeah. I said, I'm really not surprised at that. I said, because when we began to pray for you, I said, I just, I really felt the presence of the Lord. I said, I, I actually felt, I felt electricity flowing through me. She says, I felt it too. And I said, I'll tell you what else I believe. I said, I believe not only is your back healed, I said, I believe God is going to dissolve that metal plate, those two rods and those screws in your back. She looked at me and she said, I believe it too. Now, I've seen her two other times this week, and every time I see her, she's walking just like one of us had walked. She's not all humped over and bent, and when she gets out of the car, it doesn't take her you know, 10 minutes to get going because she's all stove up. I mean, she's taking off and going, and she's sleeping at night. Okay, that's a big deal. Okay, now, the only way I can explain that is that that's the, that's the result of, of, a, of a God who's one of his basic attributes is creativity and he's working in the realm of, the, of a creative miracle for her. That's the only way I can really, I can really vocalize that. He, that's what he's doing. And one of the things I want to tell you tonight is, and everybody who's listening, is simply this. I want you to understand... That God who lives in you, the one who saves you, the one who loves you, the one who gifts you, the one who has has moved heaven and earth to touch your life, the one who lives in you 
will use you in the same way anytime, anywhere you let him. But your eyes have got to be open and you've got to be receptive. God is on a fast track program right now to absolutely invade not only our region but to invade the earth with himself. And he is wanting to reintroduce himself to our culture and our society and to the people that live in this area. And the way he is going to reintroduce himself to the people in this area and, and, uh, and begin to get to know them again or let them get to know him is going to be through such things as that. You see, such stuff as that is the only thing that's going to get people's attention. Because they, number one, have been preached to death. They have been gospel tracked to death. They have been Sunday school attendance recorded to death. They've got so many perfect attendance pins in their little, little doohickey bob on their, on their nightstand till it ain't even funny. And there's nothing wrong with Sunday school. Nothing wrong with perfect attendance. But this society in which we live in is becoming highly skeptical and highly critical of the church and what she represents because we have misrepresented ourselves to society. One of the great differences in what we see in the Western culture today and what we see recorded in the book of Acts is there is a... There is a non-offensive and genteel approach to Christianity today that simply was not present in the early years of the church. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. We want all the right stuff done at all the right times. We want to make all the right points. We want to be easy to follow. We want the message to be Simple and clear, and sometimes it gets so convoluted it's just like mud. We give how-to messages, how-to, you know, five steps to financial freedom, three steps to emotional happiness. Uh, uh, you know, you, you get the idea, these self-help things. We, we do all that, and we miss the fundamental message that when God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, that the very fundamental nature of that person is changed. And because the fundamental nature of that person is changed, all of the environment around that person has got to yield to it and it should reflect that change that's went on in this one individual. Not because of the individual, but because of who's in that individual. And that individual will, will, will sometimes be raw around the edges. They'll be radical in their expression of who they are and what they've experienced. It will go contra to genteelness and softness. Listen. A biker or a gang member gets saved. What do they know about three-piece suits and ties? A biker or a gangster or a dope addict or a prostitute or someone who lives on the street or even a Wall Street executive. They come into a world that's fresh and different. And the, everything around them should change. 
And as the, as the God of glory and the creative Lord of life begins to work in them, uh, the expression of that should just simply flow out and it should express the character and nature of who God is. Yes, He's holy and yes, He's righteous and yes, He's good and all that stuff. But I tell you, He also comes into direct conflict with darkness. And wherever he or she walks, there should be a going back of the darkness rather than just the darkness impeding on them. When a person is saved and when a person is baptized and when a person is baptized with the Spirit and the gifts begin to operate, people ought to be able to tell a difference in this person. You know what, uh, you know what I found that when, uh, when, when God really begins to work in a person's life, when he brings about revival in their life, Sometimes it's from a, a, a fresh conversion experience, an initial thing. Sometimes it's just from a revival or a, a renewal experience. You know what one of the first evidences is? It's that they can lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. Look at it in Scripture. It's a constant. One of the first things that happened when Jesus came into a region, somebody got healed or somebody got delivered. And of course, yes, people were saved. But Jesus healed and delivered. That was part of his ministry. Today, that's something that the church needs to reclaim and needs to learn how to express it to the general public. Well, how does that happen, Pastor? Well, here's the way that happens. Where do you shop? Walmart and where else? Harvey's. Dollar General. Boy, that's a good place for miracles. Okay. Where do you go on vacation? Maybe to the beach. Maybe to the mountains. Where do you like to go and eat? What's your favorite restaurant? Applebee's. Ruby Tuesdays. The McDonald's drive through Do you know, if you, if, if you stop just this long, anywhere you go and you begin to strike up a conversation with people, one of the, one of the best ways to do this is just say, uh, hey, how you doing? And get people to talk. And they say, well, I'm doing fine today. Yeah, don't hurt anywhere. Everything's great. No problems. Well, you know... Um, I do kind of hurt. Got this thing going on. An example of that, a, a, a young lady came into the furniture store this past week and she came up to make a payment, an installment on her account. And she was a bubbly, expressionate person, a younger lady. She's probably 20, 25 years old. And I said, how are you doing? She said, I'm doing just great, just fine. Having a good day. I said, boy, that's wonderful. I said, uh, I, said I looked up at her and I said, there's not a thing in the world wrong with you, is it? And she said, as a matter of fact, she said, she said, I got this thing on my hip. She said, I got this thing on my hip right here. She said, it's just, it, it, it's not broken. It's not out of socket. She said, it's just, it's stiff. She said, I took a fall at my uncle's house. And she said, it's just not been right ever since. I said, can I pray for that? Now, I did not lay hands on her hip, okay? Because I know somebody out there is going to think that. So I just need to tell you now, I did not lay hands on a woman's hip. As a matter of fact, I said, I said, let me just have your hand. And so we joined our hands together and just a very simple prayer, prayed for God to heal her hip. 
show you another way this works. I was at Shoney's recently with uh, Von Clark and two pastors in Fitzgerald. And I think I may have shared this with you before, but the waitress that was wait, waiting on us, I got to notice that she took our order, she went to the next table and she started doing this, doing this. And I just thought, okay, this lady's got a, she's got a back problem. And so she, <laughs> she came over to the table and I just looked up at her and I said, your back hurts, doesn't it? And the two pastors on the other side of the table just looked up at me with big eyes, just like, how did you know? And she said, yes, my back hurts. I've got a problem in my back. And they were trying to figure out how I knew she had a back problem. And I didn't let them linger with that, okay? <laughs> I looked at them and I said, the way I know that is I saw her rubbing her back. You know, it was not like a word of wisdom thing, a word of knowledge thing. I mean, they, their eyes just bugged out, you know. How did you know this? So, uh, you know, be honest with the expression of your gift. And so we prayed for her right there at the table. So that's how this works, okay? This is how this works. This is how God will take your faith and He will, in a creative way, express the nature of God and manifest itself in healing in another person's life. Because the expression of faith is a creative act and that's the way He does stuff. Is everybody good with that? I hope so. So this is how this works. This week, I just want to encourage you. I'll challenge you. I'll challenge you. In Jesus, Lord, right now, I want you to inundate the life of every person here with, with people this next week that they can lay hands on and folks get healed. I don't, I don't want you to, I don't want them, Lord, Lord, I don't want you to let them have one day escape this next week. That every day they're confronted with at least one person who is sick or needs help. Just in the conversation, let it pick up. So that you would be honored and glorified and Jesus would be lifted up. And that a good report could flow into the earth. And that people could have hope again. And be blessed in Jesus' name. Okay, y'all been prayed over now. You can look for it. You're not going to be able to escape them this week. They're going, the sick people are going to come and the hurting people are going to come looking for you. Okay? They're going to come looking for you. And so you're going to have a uh, choice to make. But at, without faith it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So there's something about faith and healing and the working of miracles it involves pleasing God. You've got to learn how to please Him, okay? That's a separate sermon. Now, let's go a little bit further. Now, I just really love this. I'm just going to... Let's see, what do I want to read at here? I could do this. How much time we got? Okay, that was a real spiritual thing, wasn't it? You asked the guy who's running the video how much time you got. Well, I need to know that kind of stuff. Because I want these folks to get the end of this thing. I don't want to... I don't want to be cut off, okay? Okay, here we go. Verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. 
Remember, God created everything that we see by things that are not seen. Abraham went out looking for a place, not really knowing where he was going. Can you see, can you see the similarity there? He didn't have the answer to the question when he left. He didn't have the object to see when he left. But however, he went out simply by this thing called faith. He went out on faith. And as he expressed that, he found what he was looking for. Verse 9. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You see, here's another principle of faith. He went out not knowing where he was going, and as his faith began to operate, and as God began to develop him, eventually, as he was approaching this as, as he was pressing toward the apprehension of what God had for him, all of a sudden we find that his faith shifted and he began to focus on a city that had foundations whose builder and maker was God. First of all, it says he didn't know where he was going and then it said, it tells us what he was going after. This is the way your faith works. As you begin your journey down the road to operate in the, spirit, the supernatural, you're not really knowing where you're going. But as you begin to faithfully go down that road, God is going to allow you to focus in on the object and the prize. He's going to allow you to focus on Him. He's going to allow you to trust in Him. He's going to begin to open up your experience because you're looking for Him. You're on a quest for Him. You're looking for something that has stability, that has a foundation, that has markers to it, that's identified and identifiable. And a lot of times the expression, if you try to express to people what your mark was, it's going to be really hard to do it. You know, and I'll just be honest with you. I'm at a place right now Whereas I try to express to people the resolve God has put in me to see the supernatural work every day, I'm having a really hard time putting that into words. But I can tell you what I do know. There is something on the inside of me that is absolutely and totally at peace. There is something on the inside of me that is not frustrated at all. There is something on the inside of me that is strong. There is something on the inside of me that almost doesn't sleep. There's something on the inside of me that is peaceful. But there's also something on the inside of me in the mix of, of who that is and in the mix of the expression of that. It is not shakable. And that may sound like I'm standing before you tooting my horn and patting myself on the back. But you've got to hear what I'm saying. This is what's on the inside of me. This is, this is not me. This is something on the inside of me. And as you view the if you really knew the circumstances that surround my life, what I just expressed to you, you'd go, wow, really? 
Because I'm going to tell you, a lot of stuff on the extremities of my life that contend with me every day, what's on the inside of me and the strength and the power and the, oh God, what's, I, I can't even explain it to you. But the, the life of God that's on the inside of me is in direct contrast with what's on the outside of me and it allows me to experience what God wants for me rather than to be focused on what I can see. Does that make sense? It's like what I can't see on the inside, that's where my focus is. That's where my faith is. It's on something I can't see and I can't express. It's easy to let my senses settle on that which is extemporaneous in my life and extraneous, I guess that's the word, extraneous out here. It's easy to let my faith settle on that and let that dull everything on the inside. And that's one of the problems that we have. We allow all this stuff to cause what's on the inside of us to become pale. When? What's on the inside of us should cause all of this to become pale. And what's on the inside of you and what's on the inside of me should cause us to measure every moment like it's critical. It should cause us to, to grasp every second that we can in every day to be as beneficial as we possibly can be for the one who lives inside us, for the creative God who's given us everything. Our days and our life should be measured in moments and not years. Is this making sense? And if I don't do anything else over the course of the rest of my life as I speak to you and as I speak to the people on this television, one of my purposes in life is going to be to speak to you and to encourage your faith and to encourage you to do things that you've never done before. Give it a shot, for goodness sake. What have you got to lose in praying for somebody who's, got, who's going blind? What have you got to lose when you pray for somebody who's got a bad back? What have you got to lose when you pray for somebody who has cancer and they're in the process of dying? Do you have anything to lose? What do they have to lose? Their life. And I want you to be in the process of recapturing the one who lives in you. And what I want to hear on Fridays and Wednesdays and what I want to read on my email is I want to read those testimonies. And that's what we need. Listen, that's what you need to hear from each other. you got enough stuff in your eight-hour day to ruin your day. We need to begin inserting something positive into our life. Now, let's real quickly. We've got about 10, I think. All right. Let's skip over to the end of this thing. Now, this gets my motor going right here, okay? Gets my motor going. I love to read this. Now, as the writer begin, as, he's, as he's working in, in chapter 11, which, by the way, when he was writing this, he didn't say, and now chapter 11, verse 1. This whole thing was written narrative style. It was like a letter, okay? And we have chopped it up and, and put it in chapter and verse form just so, for reference sake, okay? But as chapter 11 in the, in the, in the narrative begins to, to flow out, 
he gets in a hurry because there's something he wants to say. And, it, and as I read this, it just gets my spirit jumping because I'm going to just read it like this. And he said, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? Here's where he begins to pick up speed. For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also David and Samuel and the prophets. Here it comes. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the enemies. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And it goes on and it goes and it goes on again. It said they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should, be made, they should not be made perfect apart from us. Listen, all these people, listen, all these people who subdued kingdoms, who were they? Who were they? The kingdom takers, who were they? They're not named, are they? All these people who worked righteousness, who were they? They don't have a name here. All these people who obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, that sounds like Daniel to me, quenched the violence of fire, that sounds like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, escaped the edge of the sword, that could be a countless number of people in there. Out of weakness were made strong, even a greater multitude became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Who are these people? They're folks just like you. And remember what I said earlier? You've got more knowledge than they had. You've got more experience than they had. You may have more opportunity than they had. And of course, I put myself in the same place. And so the question now is that we have to ask is this. What are we doing? Who was Peter? He was just a man. But he was a man who before the foundation of the earth, God picked out. And he said, I'm going to do exploits through this one. Who was Moses? Moses was a fraidy cat. He got scared and left the country and went to a, a desert in hopes that nobody would find him. But God came back in a burning bush and messed up Moses' world, gave him a second chance and another opportunity. And what happened? He carried the nation out of bondage. People just like you. People just like you. Why can't? Is, let me ask, is there any reason why you can't do this? 
Is there any reason why I can't do this? Is there any reason why our children can't do that? This little one on the front seat up here, let me tell you about this little one here. I looked up last week when they were praying for my feet up here, had my shoes off, or was that week, week before last? Anyway, I last week and he was over there, he had his hands laid up on my legs just to praying for me. Now, you know where he gets that from, don't you? His mama. And he gets it from his daddy. And he gets it from you. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, here's a very serious question. What if, what if at this precious stage in life, that exposure was removed from his life? Now, I'm, 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 I'm saying that, and it just kind of makes me want to throw up, thinking that that could possibly happen. But what if, what if that exposure of the laying on of hands and walking in the miraculous and being taught that when you lay hands on somebody, they're going to be healed. What if that was taken out of his life? He had no more experience with that. Would that be a tragedy? It would be a tragedy of the worst sorts. Now, where is he going to learn that from? He's going to learn it from his mama and his daddy, and he's going to learn it from you. See, you're part and parcel of this whole picture, too. So what I'm here to tell you tonight, and I think this is the sole purpose why I came. There is an irresistible, uncontainable, unfailing presence in your life who has promised to do the absolute impossible through you. We refer to them as exploits. We refer to them as signs and wonders. What's a wonder? I don't know. It's wonderful. That's what Sister Jenny says. It's just wonderful. That's what a wonder is. It's wonderful. But people begin to get real nervous. The ordinary person gets real nervous when Signs and wonders and miracles really begin to happen. It will cause people around you to begin to be very tense because they all of a sudden will come to the realization that, you know, I, if I'm going to be around this person, if I'm going to be around Janie, things might happen that I can't explain. Weird and strange stuff. You've got to be willing to take the risk to, to exercise the faith that's in you of a creative God who will do creative things, creative miracles. You've got to be willing to take the risk to do that in the face of what people may say and how they may respond to it and just go on with it. You've got to be able to take the flack for it. But I guarantee you one thing, if you lay hands on somebody and they are healed, you're not going to catch flack from that person. You might catch flack from somebody off out there who's watched it, but this person here, man, they're not going to say anything bad about you or the God you represent. They're going to be so happy. They'll be like the dude that just got healed in the temple and he just leapt and danced and leapt and danced and leapt and danced. You know, and finally they come to him and said, who healed you? 
He said, man, he said, man I don't know who he was. <laughs> but I can tell you this now, whereas I was blind, I can now see. That's where we need to get. And I'm telling you, with everything that I am and everything that I ever hope to be, I am on a quest to convince you. Every time I see you and talk, I'm on a quest to convince you that this is what your heritage is. And God can even do it through you when you're having a bad day. You know, He even likes to do He especially likes to do it when you're having a bad, crappy day. That's right. He likes to do it on a day when you don't feel anything. Just to show you he's in control. Listen. Express, release the creativity of the miraculous in your life. It's right here. That's what this is all about. We've gotten a long way from it, but that's what this little book is all about. It's the creative expression of a loving God who wants none to perish but all come to eternal life. He doesn't want anybody walking around sick, crippled, lame, blind, or mute. He hates cancer. He hates diabetes. He hates high blood pressure. You know, he probably even hates hypodermic needles, but he invented those and gave them to us because sometimes we just need a good shot of medicine because he created that too, and that's okay. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you, dear God, to let this settle. And after it settles, Lord, to allow it to manifest. Just give these people and give me an opportunity, Lord, to manifest your love and express our faith in a miraculous way to those around us, Lord, that you've put near us and those you've put in our path. Lord, we just ask you for salvations. I just pray right now, dear God, that people be saved this next week through the testimony and through the miraculous activity of these people in our community and that they would come back in here full of, full of testimony and full of fire about what you've done. Lord, we just, I expect that in Jesus' name. And I won't be disappointed because you've never disappointed me. So Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you that you collide us with the destiny that you have for us. That you bring us up to it in unmistakable, Lord. And we cannot get away from it. Show us great and mighty and wonderful things. But, oh God, let everything be mitigated through love. Love for you and love for each other. Because without love, Lord, everything would be in vain. And it would be of no value. So, Father, love is the chief thing. But, Lord, all other good things follow. In Jesus' name, amen.